In this episode, we're going to look at the rapture of the church, beginning with Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, where the writer of the book of Revelation, John the Revelator, wrote this, Revelation, the revealing, the unfolding of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said this in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, After these things, metatauta, after these things, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after these, after this, after these things. That word metatauta, the same phrase, uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, all these things will take place after this, these things, after these things, meta. After, tauta, plural for these things. What and where does this fit? I believe it's the rapture right here. After these things, after the church age, Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. John was writing in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 to the seven churches, chapter 4. Come up here. I'll show you the things will take place after this, after the church age. Um, some would say that's an inference, kind of weak, putting the rapture right here, but interesting thing, um, the rapture is somewhere in the book of Revelation. This is the best place to put it. This is the most logical, biblical, uh, place where it begins. And, uh, so to be caught up in the air, to meet us in the air, um, and uh, I like to say, where else would you put the book of where, where where else in the book of Revelation would you put the rapture? It's this is the only place that it's even hinted at. And so it has to fit somewhere in the book of Revelation. That's what a lot of scripture points to the rapture of the church, the prophetic plan, uh, the rapture. And it's 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 perfectly fits right here. So when people ask you, where is the rapture? In the book of Revelation, this is where I take them to. And uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, right to the seven churches. Revelation 2, four different places. Revelation 2, 8, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, verse 8, verse 12, verse 18. Um, <clears throat> uh, the four letters written to the churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira. Um, <clears throat> track those out. Revelation uh, three, three more letters written to the churches, Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, 17 and 14. Um, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, and, um, you know, seven fullness, whole week, kind of full period. And uh, after the full work of God in the Old Testament, and then this new work of the church, um, I think that uh, this is where the rapture fits. So uh, let's take a look at um, Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. It says this, because you have kept my commandment to persevere, I'll also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. The hour of trial, that tribulation, the hour of tribulation that will come upon the whole world Christians, yes, we have trials, we have personal tribulations, but not the great tribulation with the capital T that's going to cover the whole world, 
it'll come upon the whole world. Um, here is a promise to the faithful church of love, the true born again church, loving the Lord, loving one another, walking faithfully with the Lord. I will keep you from the hour of trial. And so we have here that picture that God's not just going to protect us in the midst of uh, the Greek preposition ek means out of, but I will keep you from that hour of. You will be out of this worldwide trouble, the great tribulation. Revelation chapter 4, chapter 1 through 5, verse 14. All of a sudden, we see the church in heaven. And so that's where we see the rapture of the church in the book of Revelation. The church is in heaven worshiping the Lord. Uh, chapter 4 through 5, verse 14. And um, the term church is not used again in the book of Revelation after chapter 3 until chapter 22. So the Bible is very clear uh, that we're to be waiting until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the catching up of the church, very significant. Uh, church is mentioned often, chapter 1, 2, 3, never again until the end of the Great Tribulation after the millennial reign. Um in chapter 22, 22, verse 16, let's read that. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And uh, when the, uh, I'm the root, the offspring of David, the bright morning star. And the only time the church is mentioned after chapter three, describing the church age at the end, uh, reminded us who the book was written. Uh, to the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth at the end of the century. So, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. Let's take a look more at this fact that we are not appointed to wrath, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God appointed us to salvation. That means rescue, deliverance, not to wrath. The great tribulation, uh, we will see in a while, uh, in other studies, that the wrath, it is the wrath of the Lamb. God's wrath is poured out. Christians can go through, sure, great difficulties, trials, and possibilities, and personal tribulations, um, even in the persecuted church around the world, in a sense, um, something going beyond what most of us will ever know. But it's nothing like what is coming in the great tribulation. A lot of people get those confused. Oh, yeah, you'll face tribulation. Well, not the great tribulation. Um, and so we know that the Bible is very clear. God doesn't keep us from all these troubles. We get into all kinds of difficulties. But the great tribulation, Revelation 3.10, we're going to be kept out of that hour. First Thessalonians 5.9, uh, we've not been appointed to wrath. So it's not just a time of trials or personal difficulties. It's the wrath of God poured out on a rebellious, Christ-rejecting, unbelieving humanity. Now, rapture itself, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. Where do we find the rapture specifically spoken of in the scriptures? Uh, many places, I, I, but it I expounded upon 1 Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians 15. So we're going to take a look at that here in a moment. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. 
Where do we find the rapture specifically spoken of in the scriptures? Let's begin here. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. So uh, talking about those who have loved ones in the faith who have passed on and died. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the, in the clouds, meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Verse 18, therefore comfort one another with these words. So this is what the uh, scripture teaches. Now, people will say, well, where's the rapture? The rapture is not mentioned in this passage. The word rapture in our theology and terminology really comes from the Latin translation of the Bible. And so centuries in the middle history of the church age, uh, the most common Bible was the Latin Bible. And it was put out by the church at Rome. And here, caught up, the word caught up, uh, the Latin verb rapturo, uh, the noun raptos or rap, rapture, um, where we get the word caught up, you mean uh, snatched away, lifted out quickly, immediately caught up, come up quickly, Lord Jesus. There's the rapture right there. So the church caught up to meet the Lord in the air and not the second coming of the Lord. Second coming of the Lord, Revelation chapter 19, the Lord coming to the earth out of the clouds down to the earth. Here, the church is caught up into the clouds to be with the Lord. Two different events. Um, and uh, they're contrasted. So we're going to look at now 1 Corinthians 15. But first, I want to just chat a bit about the position of eschatology, the biblical view of last day's things, kind of a summary of it all. And what we're talking about right here, we're going to kind of focus in on just the rapture today. Uh, this is where we're going to wrap things up, is on the rapture. And so we're going to we're going to not discuss some of the other things such as the great tribulation in depth or the second coming of Christ or the millennial kingdom or the new heaven and earth. Uh, when you take the book of Revelation and when you study through Daniel Revelation, you'll get that unfolding eschatology or prophetic last days plan um, through, through that study. For here, for our purposes, we're simply going to look at um, we're going to look at just the revelate at the uh, the rapture in this study. So we're going to jump right ahead and and talk about what we're what we what we teach. Typically, is the rapture happens before the tribulation, and there's there's such a variety of views. On the rapture, is the rapture happened before the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, or at the end of the tribulation? And so there's these uh, timelines and views, and everybody has their scriptures to support their viewpoint. From our perspective, I'm going to clearly be a 
uh, pre-trib, pre-tribulational rapture, and we'll, we're going to talk about that. And, and we're going to look right now at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So a mystery biblically is not like the Agatha Christie mystery that we have to try to solve. It's something that could be only known by God, but God is now revealing it. You can never guess it, imagine it, discover it, figure it out on your own. Um, the mystery of the rapture, the rapture of the saints, the rapture of the church. Behold, I tell you a, a mystery. This is something that can only be revealed by God. Verse 52 and 1 Corinthians 15, it says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, uh, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, Hades, where's your victory? What a great statement. Uh, those who have died in Christ will realize their full victory that is theirs in Christ. In verse 55, oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, Hades, where's your victory? In verse 56, the sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. And um, what is it that stings you until you die? Sin, the sting of death is sin. The wages of sin is death. And the strength of sin is the law. How can the strength of sin be the law? Because the standard, um, the accountability, um, that's what makes it so powerfully wrong to sin because the law says, be holy, you're accountable, you're going to be held to it, you're going to answer to it. So very interesting verse here, the sting of death is sin, sin that brings death. And what makes it powerful, uh, what is the strength of sin is the law holds you accountable. There's no way out. But verse 57, thanks be to God who gives us victory through our through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's the spiritual resurrection victory over sin and death, a gift by the grace of God through our risen Lord Jesus Christ. Um, all of this tied to the rapture. First Corinthians 15 is the resurrection chapter. And so it's about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And toward the end of that chapter, there's a mystery. We won't all sleep. Not every Christian, in other words, will physically die. Uh, this is a, a trumpet of victory. Come on home. And other trumpets are tr trumpets of judgment. And some people get confused because of the last trumpet. That trumpet will sound. It's not the, the judgment trumpet because it's a whole different purpose. And um, verse 52, great picture of the rapture. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye, this is 1 Corinthians 15, 52. In a moment in a twinkling eye at the last trumpet, uh, no longer than it takes to blink. It's, we're going to be caught up in the air. Miraculous. Boom. In the clouds with the Lord. Twinkling of an eye. Beautiful picture. Trumpet will sound. 
dead in Christ will be raised. We who live will be raised up with him. Um, earthly bodies, I don't think we'll leave here. I think they'll be transformed. Um, and then verse uh, 2 Corinthians, I'm going to jump into another passage altogether. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, tied in with the rapture, um, the Bema seat, uh, the judgment seat of Christ. And that's tied in. So we, verse 6, 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 10. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We're confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. So that's our goal. That's our aim. That's our ambition in life. It's what is it? What is mine? What is yours? It's to please the Lord. I mean, I live, breathe, sleep to please him. And you know, when I please him, I myself am fulfilled. But more importantly, the people I love are blessed, my wife, my children, and that the people I serve, whether in my congregation or my online ministry as well. Uh, not to please self, not to just please others, but to please the Lord. If we please the Lord, those who should be pleased will be pleased. And those who should be offended will be offended. And I just aim, you just aim, we aim at being well-pleasing to him. I love that that verse. Verse 10, though, uh, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one would receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So why do we always have a mind and why are we always pleasing the Lord? Part of it is, verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one might receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. The, the judgment seat, uh, the word is bima in the Greek, um, and not at all related to other judgment seat. The other one we'll look at. Uh, the great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20. Uh, we don't want to be there. <laughs> uh, this is where believers stand before Christ. And the issue is reward and opportunity and blessing and service and position and all the everlasting kingdom issues. Now, the great white throne judgment is for unbelievers and their names are not found in the Lamb's book of life. Uh, they're separated forever from God for all eternity. We do believe in uh, an eternal um, separation in a place called hell. The Bema Seat cannot uh, be uh, convened until the church is there before the Lord in heaven after the rapture. And we're not shown exactly when that's going to take place scripturally, but I think um, just before or as the Lord is setting up his kingdom, his millennial reign, because we're going to be his, uh, we're going to rule and reign with him as governing agents. It's going to be, it's going to be different. I mean, this is going to happen. This is right before us. One thing I, 
uh, talk about of the rapture is that it's the the doctrine of imminency at any moment. And it's not like a a timeline from point A to point B, but it's as if we're running uh, through life on the on the lip of a cliff. I kind of see myself here in the Colorado mountains as I do some hiking along the edges of cliffs sometimes on a trail at any moment, you know, I could fall off that edge. It's just that close uh, of a rapture type situation. I don't know how else to explain it rather than point A to point B. When I get there, the rapture will happen, but it's imminent that I'm living life along that razor edge of a cliff that any moment now it could happen. And so, um, uh, we're going to cooperate though in this, uh, millennial reign as, as governing servants and, um, and, uh, uh I think that's going to be a beautiful thing. I can't wait for that, but we'll have glorified bodies. We'll not, we won't be able to sin. Um, and he'll be right there to guide us and it's going to be a great type of government compared to what we've got now. You know, people say, I don't like the government. I don't, you know, um, it's like, well, when Jesus comes, it's going to be done right. Let's, let's move on. Let's look at first Corinthians chapter three, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. And, and I just wanted to, uh, bring, uh, this passage up because the Bema seat of Christ is mentioned in first Corinthians chapter three. And these are interesting metaphors. We're God's fellow workers. Uh, we're going to work and we do now and we will for all eternity work together with God. We're God's field. In other words, he's planting seeds of righteousness and truth into our lives. We're God's building. We're living stones. He's building us into a temple that he can inhabit. Verse 10, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid a foundation and another it builds on it. Um, but let each one take heed on how he builds for no other foundation can be laid than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, the true foundation of life. Verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone work, uh, if anyone's work, which he has built on it indoors, he'll receive a reward. So um, the Christian life, you know, that's the foundation, a life built on Christ right now, today, here on earth. Anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, building materials you can choose from. Each one's work will become clear someday. That day will declare it. What day? Here's the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ, because it will be revealed by fire. Fire will test each one's work, what sort it is. Our lives, our Christian living, our serving will be laid out in the fiery judgment of God, the fiery, I'd say, evaluating of God. And we'll see whether we are building with gold, silver, precious stones, which can withstand fire or wood, hay and straw, which will be consumed. Verse uh, 14 if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he'll receive a reward. If any, anyone's work is burned, suffer loss. But he himself 
will be saved yet as through fire. The reward will be if work, if your work, if your servanthood was gold, silver, precious stone, there will be a reward. Anyone's work is burned, wood, hay, stubble, or straw, there will be loss. Um, but not loss like judgment and hell and banishment, but loss. He himself will be saved um, through the fire or saved by the skin of your teeth. That's a term that we kind of use, but by fire. Um, you know, you made it in, but boy, look at that bonfire. Did you see all that wood, hay, and stubble? Uh, yet as through fire. And, um, you know, that was my bonfire when I get to heaven. Look at all that smoke. Uh, what's the difference between a life built with gold, silver, precious stones, that wood, hay, or stubble? I really want to talk about this for a, a moment. One's work lasts through the fire, a picture of eternal, enduring work. Um, uh, the other, so when it, when it lasts, it's eternal, it's enduring, it's something, uh, of, uh, consequence. The other temporal, earthly, combustible, burned, gone, it won't bring blessing or reward on into heaven, gold, silver, precious stones, the things that the Lord himself, it's basically what God has done in upon and through our lives, eternal things, heavenly things, everlasting things. Uh, when you think about fruit, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. When we look at John 15 and it's God at work in us, those, when, when we abide in him, those are the things that are gold, silver, and precious stones. The wood, hay, and stubble are the things that we concocted, we manufactured. It was religiosity. It was... Uh, it was uh, dead works. It was our own effort by our own fleshly uh, ingenuity and ability and strength and striving. Um, there's a lot of wood, hay, and stubble. I'm sure in my life, I'm sure in a lot of people's lives, I'm sure there's greater in some than others uh, religiosity stirred up by the flesh. Uh, there's going to be some wood, hay, and stubble that at the beam of seat, when I've trusted in myself, when I've relied on human energy and my strength was my source, but um, um, I'm going to suffer there. Yes. But things that are gold, um, sometimes I think it this was gold, but I wasn't looking to the Lord. I wasn't counting on the Lord. I wasn't abiding in Christ. I wasn't walking in the spirit. thought it was gold. Oh, Lord. <laughs> but praise God. It's going to be done in God. Isn't that nice? We won't be dragging that into the kingdom of heaven forever with us. We'll suffer loss. But it won't be hanging around our neck. It'll be gone. Our foolishness, carnality, done with. Gone forever. Here's the wonderful thing. Gold, silver, precious stones. The things that God did in our lives. Uh, they're just going to open up wonderful blessings for all eternity. Because he who is faithful in a little will be ruler over much. So the rapture of the church and the Bema seat of Christ will be there together. Hey, I hope this uh, quick, brief study on the rapture uh, just stirred your heart uh, to comfort you, to encourage you. It's coming. It's happening soon. He's coming again. 
the Lord Jesus Christ, the rapture of the church. Blessings. Bye for now. 